being here, everyone, and welcome back. Um, I heard that uh, Bethany went somewhere. Bethany, tell us where you went. Uh, Europe. <laughs> where, where in Europe? London. London. Give us a highlight. Very cool. I'm going to ask Jeremiah to come up and read read the scriptures. Before he does that, though, we are going to look at for the next three or four weeks. We're going to look at Jonah in the Old Testament, and then we're going to look at Judges in the Old Testament, and then we're going to look at Ruth in the Old Testament. So this semester we're look, we're going back, um, and because we believe that you know God hasn't just spoken in the New Testament with Jesus. It's not just like the red letters is the Bible, you know, uh, if you've ever seen like a red letter edition, you know, it's God's word is from Genesis to Revelation and the gospels in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so at RUF, we're committed to the gospel of grace and you will be malnourished as a Christian if you don't dig into the Old Testament. You will be you will you will just go around sickly. Uh, because you haven't heard these Old Testament stories. The God of the Old Testament is the same as the New Testament. Jeremiah, come read us. Jonah chapter 1. Or, or you can read from there. doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, Uh, and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give you a thought to us, that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose count this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and a lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us, on whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous, and he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that it is great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on the... Uh, for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it, it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. 
Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremiah. Let me pray real quick. Lord, thanks so much for this passage. Lord, what an amazing story uh, about a prophet, about a fish, about a storm, about mariners on the sea who didn't even believe in you till this happened. So, Lord, uh, would you open our hearts? Give us your spirit in Christ's name. We pray. Amen. So let me give you just uh, a quick little background here. Um, the prophet Jonah was a prophet in the 8th century B.C. Okay, so this is like during the time of Jeroboam II. He was one of the kings of Israel, all right? Jeroboam I was an evil king way back before him. Uh, but during this time in Jonah's life, actually Israel was prospering jo- Jeroboam II. Basically, uh, increased the wealth of Israel. He, he, he made borders in the country. Uh, they were at peace. They were having prosperity. And it talks about that in 2 Kings. It has one little mention that Jonah was uh, a prophet during the time of Jeroboam II. We don't really know a ton more about him except for this book. And, uh, and so tonight we're going to look at this idea of Jonah avoiding God's call. So I'm going to look at three things. The tragedy, the strategy, and the gravity. Okay, The tragedy of avoiding God's call, the strategy of God when that happens, and the gravity of judgment. And so, the first thing is the tragedy of Jonah the prophet. So in the very first word verse it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai. So just hold it right there. This is important. He's a prophet of the Lord. There wasn't many of them. He had the experience of knowing God personally. He had the experience of hearing God's voice, knowing the Word of God. Remember, this is like well after, you know, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, he would have all that history of Old Testament knowledge. He would have all that history of God working in Israel. And he was especially called as a prophet to know God and to know His will and to know His grace and to know His character. And you might say, well, you know, these prophets, they just seem to like pop up. This is the minor prophets. There's 12 minor prophets in the Old, in the Old Testament. Basically, the last 12 Old Testament books are all minor prophets. There's major prophets, there's minor prophets, okay? It's basically the bigger books are the major, and the small books are the minor, okay? He's the fifth one in the minor prophets. And sometimes, like, you know, if we don't know our Bibles that well, it's like, who are these guys? Like, they just seem to pop up. I don't know anything about them. But one thing you should notice is that in Kings, it talks about Elijah had these schools of prophets that were under him. And so it's, it's, so just think about that. There were schools of prophets. They were kind of like guys who would hang with Elijah and Elisha, and they would learn about what it means to be a prophet, how to preach, how to teach, how to open God's Word, how to pray. And so this was, they believe that Jonah was probably in one of these schools of the prophets. In fact, there's a tradition in Jewish religion that thinks that he was the son of the widow of Zarephath, who Elijah raised from the dead. I don't know if you remember that story, but that's like, it's not, it, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that, but it's like a Jewish oral tradition that's been passed down that he was actually raised up from the dead by Elijah. So, 
Prophets don't come out of thin air. God calls them, and it's very well known that Jonah was probably in one of these schools of the prophets. That God had been building him for a long period of time. That's the tragedy of this. Because now he is like totally fleeing from the presence in the face of God. Totally going in the, in the opposite direction. Um, I've been reading this book. Some of you might know about Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers. You, got, you guys ever read that? It's a top star. But he's got this thing in there about 10,000 hours. That all the geniuses and the, like the incredible musicians. You know, you know the Beatles? When they came on the scene, they, they had been playing together for several years. And they played in Hamburg, Germany, eight hours a day. And, and then all of a sudden, like, they have all these hits, right? Well, it wasn't just all of a sudden. They've been, like, 10,000 hours of practice to get to that point. And, like, there was, in the book, you gotta read it. It, like, talks about Mozart and all these incredible musicians and basically. So, the point is, is that, that Jonah didn't just come out of nowhere. God had been working in his life. And the tragedy is, he was on the run, away from God even though he was all around the things of God. And so that, that's a warning to all of us. If you've been around the things of God, if you've grown up in a church, you've known the stories, you've known about Jesus, you know about salvation, what he did on the cross, that can become, listen, I grew up in the church, it can become very like, yeah, 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 I know all this. And your heart can become cold. Your heart can become frigid. You can become hardened. And this is a prophet of God, and we can do the same thing. So that's one of the things I just wanted to mention that... Um, just because you're all around the church, all around the Bible, doesn't mean your heart won't get cold. Because Jonah was all around that, and his heart became really hard. So he's on the run. His name means dove. Jonah's name means dove. So he's like a bird. Instead of flying around towards God, he is flying away as far as he can go. And it mentions face of the Lord in here like three times in, in the beginning. Um, he was trying to get around, well, actually, the presence of the Lord in Hebrew, that's the face of the Lord. That he was fleeing God. And the presence of God is like his special love and grace in obedience that you experience. So he was, he was totally just wanting to do his own thing. We're going to ask why in a second. How far does he go? He goes, say Tarshish. It's just, say it. Tarshish. I mean, it's a hard word to say, right? Uh, it's Spain, basically. He wants to get, he's taking a boat at Joppa, Mediterranean. He's going as far west as he can. And do you know where Nineveh is? It's Mosul. It's Iraq. It's where ISIS is now. But I mean, back in the day, it was also a place that the Israelites, they hated. The, the Assyrians, were the, they were enemies. They, they come down in 722 and totally take Israel out. They're enemies. So here you have it. You have Jonah getting the clear call of God. It wasn't, you know, he says, go to Nineveh and preach against that great city because their evils come up against me. It wasn't like, hey, I didn't catch that God. Like, like I need more training. I need more understanding about what to do. No, his heart had gone hard. And now he's fleeing as far away from God and his command and what he wants, his will, as he can. Not only that, when he gets on board the ship, he tries to sleep it off. He goes under the deck. You know, and just like, let me just forget all this and wake up in Spain. Right. 
Um, and so he knows all about God, but fails to obey God. In fact, in the, in the passage when the, when the sailors are asking him, like, well, who are you? Where do you come from? What's your occupation? Here's what he says. Verse 9, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. Um, he, and he knows he has a problem because in verse 10, they, they said that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. So this is interesting. He's, he's got like head knowledge. He knows who God is. He confesses God. I am a Hebrew. I, am, I fear the Lord, the God of Israel. But everything had left his heart. He lost the knowledge of, of who God is, who he is as a sinner. The fact that he needed to repent daily. That, he, that, that even though he was a believer and a prophet, that he still needed to like say, just like David in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. That, that Jonah the prophet was fleeing and his heart got hard. He'd, he actually says, I'd rather die. You know, he says to them, like, throw me in. The sea will calm down. Let, so what is he saying? Suicide. Like, let me just die. Because I do not want to follow you and go with those people. So what's underneath of that? I think what's underneath is that, number one, later on in the book, or in this chapter, he's literally angry at God for his grace. Because Nineveh repents, like later on, we'll see that. They repent. And he gets mad and angry and he says, I knew it. I knew you were a God who was slow to anger and abounding in, in steadfast love. I knew if I would preach, they would turn to you. I don't want them on my team. There is, a, there is an issue here of national pride, of Israel being the chosen people, being prosperous. And these are enemies and we don't want them. And the church can never be like that. The people of God can never... We always have to have an open heart to the outsider, to the alien and the stranger. We always have to say, Jesus, you're calling us to the nations. That the gospel is every tribe... I mean, ultimately, in the kingdom of heaven, it's every tribe and tongue, right? Jesus says, Great Commission, go, therefore, and preach, you know, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, you know... I think what had gotten into him was probably a selfish pride of like, hey, we're the chosen people. I'm a prophet. We're at peace now and prosperity. Another commentator, Sinclair Ferguson, thinks that maybe it was his reputation. Because if he now says, hey, I love these Assyrians. God has called me to go to this place that you Israelites, most of you don't like these people, but God has called me to go there. And he was fearing how other people would perceive him. And so he was led not by, by the Lord, but by being afraid and by other people's opinions of him. And so this is all just clogging up his spiritual arteries, so, so to speak. So what's, what's coming down to this? What's this mean? Well, you know, we're all like this. We're all like Jonah. Uh, we all have propensity for hardness we have propensity to say i'm just gonna be satisfied with me and my group and we could care less about others Um, and we all fear we fear evangelism we fear i mean this is a book about evangelism god is saying go tell them they're evil 
Like, oh, let's start with the good news. No, go tell them they're evil. Uh, but that is good news because people got to know that like there's something wrong. It's like if you go to the doctor and you got cancer and he says, oh, you're fine, go home, you're you're good. Part of the, I mean, the, part of the gospel is you got to have the bad news before you can get the glad news. You got to know that like you're in trouble before the grace and the cross and everything else is is sweet to you. And so I'm a lot like this. I'm fearful of others. I'm fearful of reaching out to this campus. You might fear that too. You might feel that, sense that. But we, what's the answer? Get warmed. Get warmed up first at God's grace. Um, I mean, this is, you know, one of the things about this passage is interesting. Jonah, it's all about Jonah. He's alone. You don't see any other, he's not with other prophets at this point. He's alone and not, not, there's no other Israelites. The, the presence of the Lord is on him, but you don't see him with other people. You know, and so, the, no, it's very important. We need each other, right? You need fellowship. You need people in your life who are Christians who can say, like, I want to talk to you about this issue. Or we need to be able to bear our burdens and our sins with one another so that, that we can get, you know, back with a soft heart. And that's what the church is for. That's what small groups are for. You know, RUF is here to try to help you with that, to help you create um, this, you know, this place where we can we can share our burdens, where we can, you know, these small groups are for that. We don't just pretend we're like saying, "Hey, I got, I want you to pray for me. I'm really struggling here." That's why we want to do that. And so, put yourself in the midst of that, or are you running from the presence of God? Um, secondly, God's strategy, God's strategy, and. Note this, God always gets His man, okay? You can run from God, but you cannot hide, okay? And that's what the, this book is ultimately about. Here's a prophet on the run fleeing God, but guess what? God's going to get His way. God is sovereign, and God's strategy shows that in this passage. So, it's like, wherever Jonah goes, <laughs> God's presence is there. Oh, you're going to go on the ship? Here's the storm. Oh, you think these people don't care? He, he uses the, the, the sailors on that ship who don't know the God of Israel to basically, they get converted in front of him. When they throw him into the sea, they're like, praise, they're like uh, praying to the God of Israel and making sacrifices to the God of Israel. And, I mean, this is the power of... This, this is also scary. You can be a prophet. You can be a minister. You can be a strong Christian. And you can perform... And people can become saved and you can be fleeing to Tarshish with your heart. That God's, God, it's like God can do anything He wants. He can work through any, any means He wants. Even an unbelieving minister. Okay? So that's, that's scary for me just thinking about it. Okay, God, like, let's, let's have a quiet time. Um, uh, so, God uses the storm. God uses the sailors. God uses ultimately this fish. We're running over, aren't we? What time is it? Oh, okay. We're going to go fast. Um, so, but the point is, is that um, you can't get away from God. Psalm 139 talks about where can I go, you know, and flee from the presence of God. And, and basically, the answer is you can't go anywhere. God is omnipresent, but but um, ultimately, you know, God is showing His heart for the lost. God wants to use Jonah 
to take him to Nineveh to preach the gospel so that these Assyrians can know the love of God. And even though Jonah doesn't want that, that's what God wants. And that's what he will do. Um, I mean, I was at a meeting, I, I was at a meeting recently and it was with other ministers and it was, um, it was a presbytery meeting and at that presbytery meeting, one of our own, like, was in deep trouble, deep sin. And this was all like public and, and came out. And it was awful. And the man had, has been in ministry probably 25 or 30 years. And, uh, I mean, um, and, and the fact, what the presbytery was doing is they were, they were bringing him before everyone to say, God is real. And you're, we rebuke you. We, we, we're, we're gonna bar you from, you, you can't have the sacraments. You can't have the Lord's Supper because of this. You can't preach because you can't be in ministry because of this. What's the purpose? It's not just to say you're cast off. It's to say repent. It's to say ask forgiveness. Like come back to the table. Like recognize it. Like you're hard-hearted and you're going that way. And so that's love. Love is like saying it's truth. It's like saying this is wrong. And we want you know we want you to recognize that. Not just to flee and run away. So God's grace is like sometimes very hard, very hard love. But hopefully this person is going to like recognize that because of that public display of like having to be there and go through that. Um, but God, that's how God works. He works sovereignly through all kinds of different means, through people. And he did that with Jonah with using these sailors basically to, to preach the gospel to him even though he wants to commit suicide. And he says, throw me over. And then he uses a fish. And <laughs> this is the last point, the gravity of discipline. So now, uh, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And Sinclair Ferguson, he also says, for Jonah, when you try to flee God's presence, the world becomes very small. Because you can't get away from God. And now Jonah is in a fish. A big fish. I don't know. I believe it happened because it's in the Bible and Jesus talked about it. Okay, I don't know about the science of it. I know that there's huge whales out there. Okay, And we could probably get inside his stomach and breathe. Okay, I'm just saying. So if you think this is fantasy, it's not. Because there's too many, like, there's too many issues of like... Uh, Cities mentioned, historical events, and then Jesus mentions this story. So I do not believe that this is a fa- fantasy tale. Okay, Jonah and the whale, you know, this is real. Um, he's in there, I don't know how it happened, but this is the miraculous God. But um, you can't get away. Now he, now all's, all, he's feeling the judgment of God. He's on the edge of death. This, this, it doesn't get any closer than being in a, in a fish in the sea and not being able to get out or do anything about it. And in the next chapter, we're going to see that prayer of like crying out to God. God's, the gravity of God's discipline is to make us pray. It's to make us say, I need God. I need Jesus. Um, because judgment is going to happen. 
The, the ultimate gravity of discipline is God's judgment. For the Christian, it's God's discipline because He loves us and He wants to bring us out to, to repentance and faith. For the person to keep shaking his fist, it's judgment, it's hell. That's the gravity of God's discipline. It's horrible. Um, and so where, do you, where does this leave us? Well, the Lord Jesus mentions this story in Matthew and in Luke. When the Pharisees, they came to him, they, they failed to repent. And, he, and they, said, they said, hey, show us a miracle, show us a sign. And Jesus said, no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In other words, Nineveh repented without a miracle, without a sign. Jonah preaches and they repent. But the Lord Jesus was a greater Jonah. He goes not just in a fish for three days and three nights, but He literally goes to the cross and dies for us is separated from God, experiences eternal hell for our sake, and then rises again for our life. And so, the point Jesus is saying is, is, is there's a greater one than Jonah now. Nineveh, Nineveh repented. You need to repent. Because judgment is the only answer for sin. And But the beauty of the Gospel is that Jesus becomes that Jonah who rebelled too. And he's the one who takes all of our sin upon himself and he goes to the grave, to death itself and hell to bring us to life. And so, believe in Him. Look to Him alone. (laughs) If you're stuck in your sin, you're just like Jonah. Like, cry out to Him. Call out to Him. Um, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord softens hearts. Um... But you have to see the gravity and the weightiness of God's judgment and your own sin in order to experience the relief of that. And we'll see that um, as we go on. But let me pray. And then, since it's late, we'll just stand and we'll sing the uh, the doxology. We'll stand in a circle, hold hands. And uh, so let me pray. Lord, thanks for this night. Thank you for everybody being back. Bless them as they kick off the semester. They go to new classes, new professors new assignments, encourage them. And Lord, encourage all of us with how you pursue us. You're not going to let us go. Even though you're going to take us through some mud, uh, you are you are with us to bring us to life. And we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. So let's, let's stand and, and grab a hand. And uh, we will uh, sing the doxology. <laughs> yeah. This is this is for Brian and for us. Huh? Are we reached? All right. All right, look around. This is the family of God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him above those here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.
awesome. Go in peace. Eat a cookie. Sorry, I just... Time-wise. What's that? Okay. Yeah, that's good. We're all good. Which 